0: How do we live well in a world of AI-generated content and conversations? Welcome back to this episode of Anabaptist Perspectives podcast. I'm here with Kyle Stalsfuss. We've interviewed you a number of times on the podcast, your teacher up at Faith Builders. And we also have Marlon Summers here, who is part of the team here at Anabaptist Perspectives. And today is uh, maybe a bit of a different type of episode we're normally talking about church history or theology or, or things like that. This time we're doing a bit of a roundtable on the topic of artificial intelligence. And to just jump right in as we get into this here, what is AI, artificial intelligence? And how did we get here? Why does it matter? So whichever of you would like to like to start there.
1: AI can drive your car. I mean, it's, AI is... Um, it's a capacity emerging in information technologies that, that allows it to do actions that we think of as distinctly human actions, things like driving cars uh, or seeming to comprehend and work with human language, things like that, but there's, there's forms of artificial intelligences all around us. It's a, it's a whole category of information technology. What do you think, Marlon?
2: Yeah, starting with definitions. I mean, the first thing to do is to question the term intelligence (laughs) has become a fad. Um, Machine learning is probably more accurate. But yeah, a class of computer programs and so on uh, that are able to go well beyond, you know, any kind of human rules and strategies. So it's not based on, you know, human programmers putting chess strategies into the computer um it's based on the model being able to try things and see if they work and self-adjust until it hones in on things that work a lot better and it has become become a lot more powerful recently hmm. But it's been here for a long time.
0: Well, OK, so is that why it's suddenly relevant and we're all hearing about this? Because this, this is one of the questions I have. I mean, this is a field of computer science that mm-hmm. has been talked about, worked on for decades, all the way back to I don't know. It depends on who you ask, but, you know, 1950s, 1960s, whatever. Um, why is it suddenly like everybody's talking about this and you're hearing statements like. It's going to bring the end of the world, or it's going to save everybody. Like, it, it, there's a lot of extreme statements being made. Mm. Uh, why now? Mm-hmm. What, what changed?
1: And there have been a lot of AI moments in the past where it's like we've we've arrived. You know, we we've got this, and then but but there's something there is something there's something different about some of the artificial intelligences or machine learning uh, algorithms that are available to us now. And it's it's like Marlon's saying, it's it's a kind of it seems like their capacity to experiment and to promote their own learning, where they 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 start with certain uh, certain ways of trying something, and then they execute, and then they learn, and then they adapt, and they try again, and they can iterate, and kind of grow in their capacity both to uh, create, it feels like, but but also to to, to vary. Their their kind of adjust their approach to things, and in that way, it feels intelligent, at least to us. I, I would I would push. I mean, there there is there is though the very real sense in which a lot of more advanced AI models still do depend on human training and training models. That's transparent, um, especially to Western users. We don't see it, but there's there's training farms, um, and there's people who work in the, the whole sector of the industry that's open. We don't know much about it because it's very carefully guarded as an industry secret and it's kind of low paying jobs over in developing cultures that do the training for us. But there Mm. is still human involvement on Mm -hmm. the training side, but it feels automatic. Right, but
2: again, the human training is not just, it's not programming the computers. That's right. I mean, you keep developing models, but the human training is labeling images. Mm -hmm. And then the model Sees whether it fit the model has to adjust itself so that it gives the same answers on these images as people did. Mm-hmm. It's trying to copy those answers.
0: Is this all about just copying human behavior? Or what, like what are computers even doing then? Exactly. Like, like computers, historically, you, you would just give it this input and it would produce this output. You know, it was a very, you know, you would type in and, and you would print out whatever. You know, it started as text based, maybe, or very, very, very simple. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I can go to chat GPT and it'll write like a whole book for me or something instantly, Mm -hmm. which is kind of insane. That kind of throws people. And it Mm -hmm. feels like we're at this real big tipping point um, where people are, are putting some pretty extreme labels on it as being way different than a standard computer model.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: In like it's capacity, like you're saying to, it feels like originate content. Yeah, not just to take yeah. inputs and then produce outputs, which it still kind of is, but it's it's originating things. It's putting its own language to it. It's adapting. It's appreciating context, and it can even be ironic or um, uh, flexible in ways that we haven't really seen computers do before. Even juvenile. It's it's more like it's less like the authoritative professor and more like the student who's trying to wheedle his way into an A. And anyway, we're just not used to computers <laughs> acting that way.
0: Oh, that's that's really good. I hadn't thought of it right. like that,
1: but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
2: Well, and that whole turn from just analyzing things to generating things, and especially generating an essay, generating an image, generating a video. I think that, I mean, this chat GPT is what put it on the radar in a big way, and now everybody else is like, Seems like that's where AI became the rage. Like uh-huh. everybody's mm-hmm. competing, bragging about, you know, roll it out, put it into Microsoft Bing, yeah. put it in our product. Yeah. And in a way, the underlying technology, the basic technology was used everywhere long before ChatGPT made the big splash. But mm. Mm, that seems to have forced the cultural moment.
1: Hmm. So it's uh, that generative AI is maybe what we're talking mm-hmm. about mostly. In it, yeah, in, in and and how how
0: well it imitates a human, mm-hmm. I think, is what scares people. Which which opens a a whole interesting, more of a philosophical slant. So we were doing a bit more historical, the technology and so forth. But let's look at, um, what are the main issues at stake here when we're thinking of terms like intelligence? Uh, that's the term that's used for this mm-hmm. thing. It's intelligent. There are some people that say, oh, it's it's alive. Like it's like, whatever you know, all these weird buzzwords that go around and it's fully intelligent. It's like we are. Um, and then other people are like, no, that's it's not anywhere close. Again, what do we mean when we use terms like intelligence?
1: I want to hear Marlon talk about this. Mm-hmm. You alluded to it.
0: So I went back
2: and did not get a chance to thoroughly digest, but read a whole chunk of the paper that the statement you mentioned was based on. And they're surveying all kinds of potential, uh, what they call, AI risks. And they say right in the beginning, you know, some of these are mutually incompatible scenarios. We're trying to lay out different dangers we see um, in all sorts of directions. So they did mention, they did mention the people who think that, you know, AI is, intelligence is the next stage of evolution, it's going to replace humanity. (laughs) Um, But the paper was not actually um, really pushing in that direction. They talked about those people. Um, They mentioned one form of AI risk as the risk that people would get attached to AI models and believe they have personality and then force us to protect them. Because there's this whole thing already of AI chatbots as friends and romantic partners and all of that Mm -hmm. so it was interesting the scientists were labeling one of the risks is that we can't deal with ai because these people who are subscribing to ai (laughs) romantic partners will insist that we grant personhood to these models (laughs) wow and won't let us won't let us control them Mm -hmm. won't let us treat them like machines Mm -hmm. wow yeah (laughs) that's that's a new thought for me yeah no, unfortunately, that's
0: is a reality in terms of how those things get used. But but isn't that comes back to how we think about intelligence? Like there, mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast by one of the engineers at Google who helped develop the early models that are now being used for. I think the what is the Google one Bard? I think is what it's called. Um, and he left over some of the years ago because he was worried about some of these risks. And at that point, it was like eight months ago or whatever, he said, you know, it had an IQ level of, you know, about Einstein. I think he was referring to the open AI, open AI models. And so he's like, well, if it's already as smart as Einstein, I mean, that means it's smarter than most of us already. And it's going to take over the world because it'll be so much smarter than we are. Uh, and it seemed for him that that's all there was to it. It's just he, he was he was comparing it to human intelligence as if they were on an equal or even playing field. Mm. Um, that seemed to me a bit, uh, there's got to be more to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're getting into what it, what does it mean to be a human versus to be a computer. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure how to even phrase that because so, all this is such a almost a bizarre conversation. But I think it's a very important one for us to think about as as Christians. How do how do we look at that?
1: I don't I don't think it's bizarre. I think it's enormously relevant and important, and um, in some ways predictable. Just because yeah. of how just because mm-hmm. of how. Adjacent it is to already existing assumptions about what intelligent is, intelligence is, what it means to, uh, to know something, uh, what it means to have in the biblical sense like what, what is knowledge, um, how does that grow out of experience and how does that relate to places where artificial intelligence tends to do well, which is uh, relating to massive volumes of information. That's the kind of intelligence they do very well at is looking at huge volumes of content or information uh, relating to that to some kind of new context and then taking that massive trove of information and kind of translating or responding to that context that the user sets in place for it where it says, you know, I want to I want to learn how to change the transmission in my Kia or something like that and it can help you do that. Um, that's a very specific kind of intelligence, right? Uh, there's other kinds of intelligences that maybe we haven't explored adequately enough, and we're pretty focused in Western cultures on certain kinds of intelligence, or at least Silicon Valley is. Um, and there's there's where there's where these artificial intelligences do very well, but it's limited. There's certain other things that it's not quite as competent in.
0: Yeah, but to be devil's advocate here, you, you know, the, the AI engineers or whatever would say well yeah but this is just the beginning like wait till it's like indistinguishable from a human and we put it inside a humanoid robot and you won't ever be able to tell it could be that good Mm -hmm. it won't be a specific model for a specific thing it'll be it'll be so much smarter than you and so much more capable than you as a human um and they're just like wait and see just wait and you know think where we'll be in five years or what you know i've heard that from a lot of people um is there any truth to that like what are they missing there they seem to think that well, we can make a computer as good as good as a human, as far as intelligence
1: goes, or exceeding human, like or, or trans, yeah. transhuman would be the word.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's a bit of an extreme mm-hmm. philosophy, but I don't know. It keeps popping up, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, I guess it it does keep coming back to what is intelligence and what is what is being a human, basically.
1: Yeah, and I I don't I don't have a lot of comment there except to say that I. I've I've seen people arrive at different conclusions on like how can we create with the kind of matter that we have to work the limitations of our own intelligence? Can we create something that truly exceeds that? And uh, I, I again I I could quickly I could quickly get on my wheelhouse there, except to say that's not that's not uncontested. Um, and what we have now is is devices and models which. Um, can be very competent at specific kinds of intelligences. Um, it's a little hard to know exactly what the benefit would be. At just trying to create, recreate our own experience when we have that ourselves already. <laughs> That's a good point. That's I mean, a really, what, yeah. At what point do you introduce like the angst model or something like that? Like, now I'm going to give you the experience of terror AI and see how you process that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: What, what do you What do you think, Marlon? I mean, one,
2: I think it's fair that we're most likely to see explosions of capability Hmm. and that there's going to be a lot of, yeah, could be very real challenges with how to do well with those, you know, explosions of capabilities. And I think the fears of what those capabilities can do are not, I don't think they're unfounded. I I think some of that is, is hyped up. And that's actually why it kind of struck me reading that paper is they were not basing it on those kind of crazy views of these will be human intelligences. Um, They Mm -hmm. were more rooted in um, more practical, functional, more credible kinds of concerns in terms of what can happen with game theory and models and so on. So I'm not saying that we don't have major risks and things like that to deal with but the claims of you know saying this is intelligent i don't know they strike me as you know coming out of the same kind of philosophy of mind that thinks that human mental life is to be explained Hmm. simply by you know brain as a computer and that just seems like a Hmm. well it's been contested, discussed in philosophy of mind and biology or whatever. Just seems like a very implausible place to start. Like, how do you explain human intelligence as nothing more than a computer? But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who have been thinking of a human brain as just a fancy computer for a long time. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: if that's your starting point, then of course you'll expect the computer to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: But wouldn't that be kind of your uh, I'm not very I'm not a philosopher, so I'm not familiar with the terminology, but your uh, materialist worldview, the there there is no supernatural. it's all just just um dead matter, basically. so it, intelligence is just a it's just an evolutionary process. So of course, we could replicate it in a computer. So the human experience is nothing unique, really. Is that where it's coming from? Broadly, I don't know that.
2: I don't know that all materialists would have to go there. Okay. But yeah, it is common mm-hmm. and it's just like, well, the mind, you know, the brain is something that performs a certain kind of logic and function. functionalism was the one term, you know, the mind functions uh. in a certain way. And if you can replicate that function in some other matter, in other words, your brain runs programs. So if you can run the programs in something else,
0: Kind there's of, no difference. It's hardware agnostic. You might say. Right. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Yeah. That, but, okay. If, so fu- functionalism may be a better a better term to use. Then basically, like right. And it, there's we can replicate the function. So bingo. This this computer is the same as your brain. Basically, it's just running on a different hardware platform. Yeah. And again, it's
2: not <laughs> that oh, all wow, mati- not it's not that all you know materialists or physicalists, as they would prefer to say now, uh-huh. are necessarily going to buy quite that line. But it does seem like, like that's where this idea comes from. That yeah, this is just the same as our intelligence.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It also seems like a very narrow way of looking at the world, too. You know,
1: I would at least suggest maybe that at the at the level of us as consumers. Um, like the experience that we have of things like chat GBT is is pretty limited compared to how these are going to be used in industrial or commercial applications and, and there's where there's a lot of the value and a lot of the motivation for large language learning models say uh, comes more from commercial and industrial things not so much and we kind of get the dregs of it in some ways but that, that's where I tend that's where I tend to tend to think about this um, one, what we have now is a pretty limited interaction with a large language learning model. Uh, what we could see next, say, would be uh, the kind of intelligence that's capable of not only helping us to make informed decisions, say, about where we want to go on vacation, but it could plan the trip for us, buy our tickets, make the reservations, and then just hand us an itinerary. And that's a step further. You know, that's not just a language model. It's now an AI agent, somebody who's making decisions on your behalf. And mm. it, it's another form or maybe a, just a, a, a further step that we could plausibly be seeing here fairly. Well, it's actually already available. It's accessible. You can do this. Um, there's where it'll be. It, some of these questions will get even more interesting. I think it's not just about writing your essays now. It's it's about planning your vacation or buying your next car for you. Uh, Taking the inputs of what it knows about you already from ads and whatnot, and then just going ahead and making the purchase. And there's where I think the questions will get even more interesting and perplexing maybe. What are you thinking? Well, yeah, yeah, Hmm. but there again,
2: what kind of a philosophy of mind are you starting with? Mm -hmm. And how are you defining agency? And again, these have been these huge philosophical debates and they talk about the problem of free will and you know is free will compatible with Mm -hmm. determinism or so on and i guess you could ask whether these models are deterministic or not um but you know there's philosophical attempts over and over again to have what they call a compatibilist theory of free will where you know yeah you still freely made decisions not that you could have done anything else it's just because it you know was constrained by the workings of your mind rather than somebody else forcing you to do it.
0: That's a new thought.
2: yeah, if you've already gotten on board with the human brain is, you know, a causal process and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, fully determined by the laws of physics and the initial conditions of the Big Bang or whatever. Mm -hmm. As in (laughs) working its way forward. Yeah. Well then, okay, agency is... Something that you know just kind of happens
3: hmm. mm-hmm. as
2: a result of physics and evolution and everything else, and so yeah, you can call these AI models agents, and they can do what we do.
3: So but you, if you do, can't
2: if you can't reduce the human yeah. agency to that, then we well, we've got a little more hope of. How we think about things. Yeah,
1: yeah. so so you're going after the term AI agent there. The agent, right? Yeah, is Uh it actually an agent? And you're right, an agent. Was
2: was it an agent in the same sense that you're an agent?
1: Yeah. Okay, but but sorry, but I got to mess with your (laughs) philosophical categories there a little bit because then at that level, like, what difference does it make? Because if let's say it's not an agent, but it is extending or even replacing my agency. As a human, is that right? I mean, if it's making decisions for you, is that what you're saying? That's what I'm feeling there. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's making the decision on your behalf. So now, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I was kind of wondering the same thing. Be, yeah.
1: It may not be truly agency, but it's functionally agency.
2: Well, I mean, you're just a, a victim of your surroundings, like when a tree falls on you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, I mean, potentially... You can't overcome the force of this thing of ai
3: Mm.
0: that's what people are one of the things that people are worried about Hmm. well exactly and i wanted to to grab on that a little bit because that's that's a lot of the concerns it's like well when when we start letting these things make decisions Mm -hmm. we don't even know how they're making all these decisions and they're the models are so complicated And they're getting really worried about that because they're coming back to, well, maybe the human brain is just the result of natural processes and it just kind of just kind of formed up. So, like, what what happens when we unleash AI and let it start doing decisions and on your behalf or whatever? What if it makes some really dumb decisions and, you know, messes up something or uh, I'm being a little bit vague, but it's part of your whole thing of like, well, yeah, the human brain is just the result of a big bang and a bunch of natural processes anyway. So why yeah. wouldn't a computer be like that, and that could be scary?
2: So it's not that it's not that this isn't scary. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I mean, so just like the different risks. So one thing I talked about in that paper, which seems like a very credible thing to worry about, is automated warfare, and especially when you have detection systems and. You have an AI model that's designed to, you know, respond instantly if there's a missile headed towards your country, um, maybe to take the missile down, or, you know, the biggest worry is, combine it with nuclear warfare, and you have an AI model that can pull the trigger on a retaliation strike, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: perhaps on a glitch or a misreading, and that kind of escalation. And that's not even so much the the worry about AI becoming conscious and becoming a malicious agent against it as it is just, you know, setting up controls and letting them run mm-hmm. automatically and um, producing disaster. Um, but, I mean, they do talk about... They do bring up the scenarios like okay well could a model because it's given a goal you know could its goals change oh and then there's that's where people start thinking about consciousness you know if you have a model and its goal keeps changing and it starts to derive satisfaction
0: from doing certain things <laughs> you know satisfaction like what would satisfaction look like to a computer well I'm so confused am oh, I <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm not particularly worried about it having satisfaction in a <laughs> psychological sense.
1: No. Um, it's just kind of being absorbed in its own executive function. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, but is this uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm diverting this slightly, but there's there's a phrase that's being used by some people saying, um we get like speaking of an AI model, mm-hmm. we get what we asked for, but not what we wanted. So like you turn a model loose and say, do this thing or fix this problem. And the solution it comes up with is like, uh-huh. not at all what you wanted. Um, it's kind of the the robot making paper clips the paper clip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you wanna maybe explain that? Or, no, like,
1: is it, of course. That's,
0: that's delightful. It, it I mean, kind of fits with this. In that I've thought of that as we were saying, as we give this thing decision, as it yeah. makes decisions. So anyway.
1: And it's a possibility. I mean, the, the AI, the ones that get the most attention are the ones that um, would be in charge of or exercise some control over what you consider like critical infrastructures or uh, critical capacities like warfare. Like if you're going to be really cautious um, with with any kind of AI agent that say controls or has some control over your nuclear arsenal, has access to it even. There you're going to be really rigid and careful with it and selective with policy and whatnot. But but there are some things. that It's, it's the, the stuff that comes from the margins that tends to catch you and it says something about our, our own – um the limits of our own intelligence as humans and, and the overreach that comes with our human hubris. That is to say, we'll create some kind of agent and we'll say, like, make us paper clips. And it's like, okay, making paper clips. And we put no constraints on it because we just want it to make paper. And it does. And it is like, okay, thanks very much. I'm done with the raw materials you gave. Now I'll, there's some cars in the parking lot. I'm going to take those and I'm going to make paper clips. And then I'm going to, oh, there's a city nearby, Chicago. Let's take that and let's make paperclips too. And and pretty soon the whole world is clips And it's like, it's a wasteland and it just did what you told it to do with no constraints. Uh, it's that kind of unconstrained intelligence that could be a gotcha. <laughs> it's like, it's just doing its job and it's using its, its capacities to adapt and to learn and to create um, in ways you didn't anticipate. And then you've got a paperclip apocalypse apocalypse that's hard to <laughs> say
3: <laughs> but
1: that's yeah, a more likely scenario yeah
0: like that's actually i mean you, you, uh, oh that, this is this is hard because okay so so maybe we should pivot a little bit here um or not pivot but uh, but we are getting to some of the practical implications let's look forward a little bit mm-hmm. like what are the practical implications in the next few years um you know, is this is this bigger than the personal computer revolution? Is this bigger than the invention of the internet, like some people are saying? Um, or is it just like, oh, that's kind of a cool gimmick. It's going to make some things in computing a lot easier and a lot nicer or uh, simpler. Um, that's the other side. Uh, and with that question, just kind of bookmark that question, I do want to read the statement because it feels, looking to the future, um, the Center for AI Safety uh, issued a statement that's been signed by dozens of experts all around the world, you know, AI experts, including people like Bill Gates, you know, Sam um, Altman, who is CEO of OpenAI. The statement simply says this, mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war. So like when they look to the future of where this thing could go in the next few years, like they're seeing this as a very um, serious situation. I'd be curious what you guys... I have to say as, and especially as we think of the church and God's people going into the next few years, this is going to open up a lot of conversations around what is intelligence, what is the human experience and so forth. And I think it's important to mm-hmm. be thinking about that, thinking forward into those days when, you know, maybe an AI model is, is indistinguishable from a human, at least when you're in the, the, you know, using a chat bot, say, mm-hmm. sorry, this is pretty, pretty
1: broad, but I'd be, yeah, I'd be really curious yeah. what what you guys would say. So, I, 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 like, I like the question. There is, I'd say, I'd at least say, like, I hate the word revolution when it comes to any form of innovation or in human history in general. It's just not a very good word. Um, you want to talk about an act of creation, ex nihilo, you know, that's, that's God's work. That's not something we get to recreate. Um, and it tends to overlook some of the more sophisticated things that make certain inflections in history uh, actually come about. So you could get this feeling and it's it's kind of popularized that say regulators, and you, you mentioned that uh, that bit of policy that people are getting together with concerns, like is anybody caring about, is anybody interested in this? Well, the reality is like governments have been funding AI research and regulating it and promoting it for a long time. Um, so it, is it, it's not unanticipated and the technologies that allow for this point to come have been developing for a long time as well. So this is, in some ways, it's just an extension of existing policy and of existing interests and of, of existing cultural trends. With that being said, the, the the moment that we have now is real and the, our access to it, kind of like you were discussing earlier, there's something markably different about this form of intelligence and how it interacts with us. And in its ability to do stuff that only we as humans could previously do. Um, so I'll just start with by maybe raising one issue that's related Now I'm in education and chat GPT, uh, model four at least you know, starting off and it just keeps on iterating very rapidly. Uh, we realized quickly that like, we can't keep up with this thing. It's, you can't just make some kind of ironclad policy and deal with it. So with, with our students, the way we've encouraged them to think about this is, you know, the, the, the value of this education is in your development, not just in your capacity to give us an essay, which you give you a good grade for or something like that. this is about you and your formation and a satisfying human life. And so we deal with it not by making some kind of policy about artificial intelligence or large language learning models, but by covering it with our plagiarism policy. Like, as in, if, you're, if, you, if you use this to write your essay, that's just cheating. You're, you're, you're having another person do that work and we don't see any advantage to your formation as a student that way. Um, so kind of lay out a choice for them. What kind of life do you want? And We feel like the life that's going to be most satisfying is the one where you, as the human author, are contributing to your own formation, not not outsourcing that to some kind of machine. Uh, that's one small thing in education. Yeah, Marlon, what do you think? Yeah.
2: So first of all, on the
1: existential, you know, risks of extinction. <laughs> Let's list of those, shall we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The
2: paperclip
0: scenario, nuclear <laughs> war. Bioterrorism. <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> um, I mean, some of those things are scary. Hmm. I mean, ultimately, I think we do come back into the sense that God's not going to let human society end before it's supposed to end. And, which hey, doesn't I, mean yeah. there won't be terrible things in the meantime. Uh, but, I mean, we have been, well, all of my life. Um, we have been living with the reality of multiple governments holding the amounts of weapons that, okay, maybe couldn't extinguish the human population, but could very, very quickly—you know, very quickly within a matter of a few hours—you could see half the Earth's population gone mm-hmm. if a couple things went wrong diplomatically and people started exchanging nuclear weapons. Does this accelerate that? Possibly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If for no other reason, then it might be easier to develop powerful weapons as a small, lightly funded terrorist group than it is to deploy an ICBM without massive amounts of money. Um, so, yeah, probably more scary capabilities coming down the pike, although we've had plenty of scary capabilities for a very long time. Mm fact have always had them with the ways that humans find to murder each other and kill each other but Hmm. more and more massive scales um but yeah my more practical thoughts go down the same lines of education well okay what's the point of writing something if chat gpt or microsoft or whoever Mm -hmm. could generate the same thing or, you know, what's the point of
0: developing this podcast if we could have had the whole thing synthesized by <laughs> giving a prompt? Yeah. We could have written this whole thing with chat GPT and then t- taken it into an audio generator and created the podcast. And but it would have been nothing.
1: better, probably, in terms of more comprehensive yeah. and taking it all the – and trying to be judicious, possibly.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, right? right. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, so it goes back to the thing,
2: again, of what – well – what is part of developing as a human being and what you know what is a job to what is a job to outsource? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. should you develop your sermons with it? How should you use it in your sermons or lectures
3: mm-hmm.
2: or papers? I have not got into you know exploring how to use it. Uh, We did have an interesting little example this morning. Anabaptist Perspectives had a board meeting and we were working on discussing briefly a document that our chairman and I had put some work into. And during the meeting, one of the board members feeds it to an AI model of some kind and says, could you reformat this? And it came out totally reorganized, mostly the same content um the ai reorganized one is currently our working draft it is not vetted and finalized and approved (laughs) Um, but it is the working draft we're going to build off of Hmm.
1: but it's a tool and you don't feel somehow impoverished by that well what do i need to
2: be a human being
0: That's a fair question.
2: So do you feel impoverished because you don't know how to use a slide rule Mm -hmm. to do mathematical calculations?
1: Not particularly.
2: Do you feel impoverished because you don't flip to the back of a math book and find logarithmic tables to do math computations and you type those into
1: a calculator? Occasionally. Or find my way using a paper map. Yes. Sometimes, and there's, there's that, something, say, now that there's... there, I
2: could maybe agree with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, we had, a, uh, where my children go to school, we had discussion around teaching mathematics and the value of math and so on. And one thing we talked about was, you know, when do students use a calculator? Well, obviously not when you're trying to memorize the basics so that you can internalize, you know, basic arithmetic. But you use a calculator when the thing you're trying to learn is something else. And you can use a tool to do the calculations. Um, so, yeah, you could try to use AI chat to, you know, outsource those things you need to wrestle with and outsource your thinking. That's a bad problem, a bad thing to do. Hmm. Um, but we're going to see a lot of places where it's a really good tool to use if -hmm. you know where to use it. Mm -hmm. I mean, in fact, I keep thinking I should probably figure out how to use it, but anyhow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. There, There can be this assumption, and this is a general comment with, um, some of the more well, I'll just say there can be this assumption that just drives forward modern societies like ours or information societies like ours that um, once we dispense with some of these tasks that we find menial or time-consuming or just tedious or distasteful, once we successfully outsize, outsource those, then we can get on with the real business of living a meaningful life. Um when we're unchallenged, when we're uh, kind of godlike in our capacities, and then we can we can finally surround ourselves with the sorts of things that we think will give us enjoyment. There's where, there's where I, I begin to wonder, like, what is the substance behind it, and what are some of the assumptions which that understanding of what makes a good human life? Uh, what are those assumptions driving to? It tends to have to do with self-definition. You know, I get to decide what the format of my life is. I get to decide how much leisure I get. A lot, hopefully. Um, you know, all these decisions that that kind of really just lends toward a kind of predictable outcome of some kind of materialistic hedonism is is where it tends to orient. And there's there's where you can feel like yeah, a useful tools sometimes for some tasks, but what is it that composes a meaningful human existence aside from the sorts of tasks that give and take that that uh, help us to develop our character and form from our wrestling with things that frustrate or annoy us. And there's some of those really meaningful things that, in my mind, really displace the interests of some forms of AI anyway. yeah, but Haven't we been there? I mean, haven't we been there before? Oh, there's some great old stories about this. I mean, I'm thinking I of... Mean, This has been the constant human tendency all the way back to the very beginning. You go back to the garden. It's like, you know, I know what's good for me. All I need is a little more equipment. I'm just going to go ahead and do my tubal cane thing, and then I'm going to build my tower. We're going to be like God. And we can basically trust our intuitions and loves. Um, That's a very old human story. (laughs) Well, okay, but back to the education thing
2: and – what are you wanting out of education in your intellectual life?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like it seems like we've been in a place for a long time where we've looked at education as well. Let's learn all the mm-hmm. all the tools that we need to achieve that. Just materialistic skills
1: thing. or need some skills. content mastery, right? Yeah,
2: and we, you know, we got to think of our education in two ways. One is we have to learn how to, to use those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the other things that are, you know, part of thinking and part of understanding.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So, right, we don't teach, you know, writing in shorthand anymore.
3: Mm-hmm. It
2: used to be extremely important that somebody could take notes, could dash it out. You'd have the stenographers, they could record things. Well, then you got a keyboard. Mm -hmm. and you teach people how to use a keyboard really quickly. And now people don't know how to use a keyboard because they use speech to text or whatever. I think, you know, often the skill of using a keyboard is abandoned too quickly. Um, But using a keyboard is not, you know, a key part of human life and education. Like, that's a practical skill.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Now, thinking through something and organizing your thoughts and creating an essay, I would say that is uh, very often part of the human thing.
1: It's kind of predictive of your level of satisfaction you're going to get out of life too. Right.
2: So yeah, replacing your essay with, and you're thinking about everything with a chat GPT generated summary, not such a good idea. Replacing your computer keyboard with speech to text, which is also AI powered, well, in principle, that could be fine. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, I want to back up a little bit to when you were talking about some of the risks and and challenges with with AI, and and especially when people go to the existential, you know, risks. And he made an interesting point there about how, well, okay, so we've been dealing with the risk, say, of nuclear war for a very long time, or some of these other you know Or the Black Plague. Or yeah, the Black Plague, <laughs> or like some really big, powerful forces that are out there. I, I think the the one piece he had said something like this these are tools, and the the one factor is humans using these tools and could use them for really poor <laughs> use cases or or really bad ways. Um, is that not a lot of the challenge here? Like some of the things you were just outlining, which may be very basic mundane day-to-day things all the way up to the existential risk of AI being used for, I don't know, terrorism or something terrible. Um, is it not just human nature has, has the ability to do really bad things? Is is that all we're looking at here? And we happen to have some much higher capabilities with computers that that put that in stark uh like it, it's really visible now because we can see it mm. uh or m- maybe i'm going down the wrong street um yeah i'd be curious about that because you were just referring to to how how we use the tool basically yeah i think
2: it is the amplification of power
3: yeah but that, then yeah. like
2: like anything else there's unintended
3: mm-hmm.
2: consequences mm-hmm. of technologies like Yeah, amplification of power. Okay, now there's a printing press. Well, information spreads. People read. Now there's a radio. People stop reading. (laughs) And they think differently because of it or whatever. That's the unintended consequences, the way things are naturally used. Or Mm -hmm. you watch videos and you don't read and so you come to a different way of processing, which pluses, minuses, whatever. Mm -hmm. But amplification of power, well... Makes you more dangerous. <laughs> mm.
0: Always.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, I think that that kind of gets to the heart of some of the concerns. We just, what, how will this affect us? These tools,
3: mm-hmm. how will
0: it shape how we think about things? And where will this take us, uh, humanity? I don't know, however mm-hmm. you want to say it. I don't know. It just feels like humans have such a tendency to, to use things in a, uh, for evil purposes. It, it does. I don't know. Maybe that's the part that scares me a little bit. Like, how will these tools be used? Um, and it does seem like the, yeah, like you were saying, it's an issue of capability. Suddenly computer models are way more capable and have way greater reach. Um, and, and maybe, and I think that will probably have to go for another episode, another day, um, on the whole concept of how will this affect things like truth, you know, and misinformation and how we, how we learn things, you know, and well, a picture doesn't prove anything anymore because you can generate it with an AI model in seconds, you know, how, how will that affect, how we look at truth, honestly, like how, what will that, what will that do to us in the future? It feels like that's a bit of a separate conversation, but I think it's important to kind of note that and, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll tackle that another time. Um, I'm not sure what all I'm saying. That's not much of a question, I guess, but I'd be curious. If, yeah. Do y'all have any responses to, to that?
1: Maybe just a little bit of follow up on, on what, um, on what you're saying here. Like I, I can, like there's, there's the questions about in the future, AI taking some kind of agency of its own, and especially malevolent agency. Uh, those are the ones that tend to capture our imaginations the most, where it's actually going to have some kind of pure intelligence, and it becomes twisted, or at least to us, it seems twisted, and for itself, it's like, yay, <laughs> bad humans, um, <laughs> building the paperclips, yeah. and yeah, yeah, right, or, or just destroy, destroy. Um, Those are the ones that tends to capture our imaginations, but I I do think the more plausible uh, questions have to do with futures where there's power that's being amplified but also further segmented. As in, uh, to the end consumer, it could appear that there's subtle but real changes and that to the mass of people, um, it's presented to them as just another tool, but in fact, power has been redistributed already and even the internet could become dead in the sense of all the content's been already created and it's recentered on people who stand to benefit from AI-generated content who have access to that kind of capacity. Uh, the commercial sector could become further dominated and separated from the end user in a way that just makes A real disconnect of power between consumer and uh, the realm of commerce or just all kinds of things could be further consolidated and broken down between those who have and those who have not.
2: So here I am speaking beyond my expertise, but I will just say that it seems like in that scenario, it seems like that underscores the importance of widely distributed power and... Using computers in creative ways and open source projects and all these other things, um, kind of at the margins of finding ways around it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, encrypted messages, <laughs> ways of verifying things. Mm-hmm. You know, how are we going to verify that this video is actually produced by Anabaptist perspectives when somebody could go and quite plausibly in a few years and say, oh, yeah. you know, produce an Anabaptist Perspectives video on this topic with Kyle as the guest and Reagan as the host. Like, mm-hmm. that's not out of question that those could be, you know, passable mm-hmm. before
1: too long. At that point, you'll find me splitting wood.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm, been a <laughs> <laughs> year
0: Okay, well, we cannot go any further than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So maybe to to circle it back around, it, it feels like okay, so we got these advanced models, we've got this capability that that could be scary, could have some real risks, but also it, it seems like a lot of it has to do with the intersection of how humans use yeah. these tools. Um, it keeps coming back to you know humans built this, humans trained this. I mean, AI models train off of human interactions on the internet, basically, or, or humans training it. Um, it has a lot to do with who we are as humanity, really. I, I, it's maybe a bit broad, but to that effect, um, as we look to the future how how do we learn to cultivate things like community and real human experience, real human interaction um, things that that do really matter and uh, understanding that I don't know basically coming back to who who we are as as humanity um, that's a bit of a turn from the technology side, but uh, maybe that would be a nice way to to wrap this episode up, I'd be really curious, uh, basically the implications for how do we keep doing discipleship in a world full of, you can get anything you need on the internet anymore. So, Mm -hmm. you know, where's the space for real human interaction?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, quit listening to this podcast and um, either in person or via one of these messaging apps. Why don't you get somebody to come over to your house and eat some food?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: I like that. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, actual hospitality. I'm thinking this is a practical thing as well, but appreciate the appreciate the full uh, course of human life. Um, Some of the problems that AI tends to address are fairly particular, at least again, language models are fairly particular to kind of narrow segments of human life. Um, They don't I mean, babies don't really care and old people don't care too much either <laughs> uh, because it's not significantly, well, okay, I guess we could get into companionship, but um, but I, I'm just saying that, that, that you cultivate an appreciation for an interaction with the full course of human life all the way from birth to death and allow those things as well to influence what makes a meaningful life. One thing. Do you want more?
0: If you got more, I'll, I'll take uh, it. You
1: can but split you splitting wood helps yeah and I, I, I do find like there's just an immense amount of satisfaction in closing the distance between our activity and meeting some kind of real need uh, feeding an animal uh, splitting some wood and then bringing that inside and saying okay children you like you were part of this that's actually that's human satisfaction in some of its simplest and most robust senses you've exercised some level of input. Um, you, you're part of our family economy and now we get to stay warm and this is great. Um, the more broad consideration, the more broad thing there is make, make your family economy such that your children can participate in, um, and a lot of satisfaction there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really good. The, that, that, the real world interaction and, um, it is very easy to just disappear into the digital space anymore. So much of life mm-hmm. is, is just, yeah, we all, you know, we work from home. We, whatever, you are know, entertained by screens. Um, yeah, maybe it's time to bring back some community and hospitality and, and so forth.
1: Yeah. Well, and these can be difficult things too. So yeah. that's another suggestion, like grow to appreciate some of the value of hard things. Hmm. Um, these are sensations that you can find unpleasant. Difficult things generally are, um, but... When you come alive to that part of life, uh, difficulty doesn't always make us stronger people, it doesn't. But but you can call it an, of an awareness of and something of a thirst for stuff that's hard because you have, you have increased capacity to enjoy life even more. So do the hard things. Uh, that's something that AI agency tends to actually like, take away from you, Yeah. respect that. You know.
0: Any any uh, closing comment from you, Marlon? Well, my
2: thermostat is taking a guess about when I'll be home so I can have the house warm when I get back. Aw, so <laughs> considerate.
1: <laughs>
2: Not actually, but that is the counterpoint to splitting wood. <laughs>
1: yeah. Now you can go and make podcasts. Instead. <laughs> well, thank you, Kyle and Marlon, for coming pleasure, on Pleasure as always.
0: Yeah, sharing about this. this is a... It's a bit of a uh, big one to unpack and I'm sure we missed a lot. So we would love to hear from you, the audience, uh, leave a comment and let us know what you think. And, uh, maybe we'll address this more in the future. I, I feel like this is a, this is something we will be facing a lot more of in the coming years. So yeah, thanks again. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. It's a little different format than we typically do and a little bit of a different topic as well. So we would love to hear your feedback. What did you think? And what are more things that we could cover uh, on the topic of artificial intelligence? If you found this interesting, we did a three-part series on the internet, algorithms, and how that affects how we view the world. So you can check that out linked down in the description below. Thanks again for watching, and we'll catch you in the next episode.